Welcome to Wallowing in the Shallows, the podcast that skirts the perilous drop-off of a deep dive into television and movies. We are academic nerds aspiring to become TV and movie geeks. There are no spoiler guards in the shallows, so listen at your own risk. This week, join us for a wallow in Good Omens Season 2. Hey folks, Tori here. We wanted to let you know that after editing this Good Omens episode, we decided to break it into two because it was so long. Part one will be a discussion of the season finale, and part two a deep dive into the opening credit sequence. You will hear a couple of odd transitions because of the cuts we made. If you want to hear the whole episode without the weird breaks, you can head over to Captivate. Link in the show notes. Hope you enjoy our discussion of the Good Omens season two finale. Hey, hello, peeps. Welcome back to Wallowing in the Shallows. This is Tori. And this is Rebecca. And we are talking about Good Omens Season 2, Episode 6, the final episode of Season 2, Chapter 6, Every Day. Yeah, I am still kind of processing this, even though I've watched it twice. I actually did have to force myself to watch it the second time. Mm -hmm. I was like, I don't want to watch it again. (laughs) Unlike season one, I feel like the end of this season is just crying for another season, literally. And I've heard that it is in the works. So I did read about that, that Neil Gaiman said it's planned and kind of outlined, I guess, but got to wait till the writer and actor strikes over. Yes, of course. Oh, wow. I mean, lots of nice closure on a variety of things, many questions answered, mm-hmm. but just devastating the just a devastating ending. And I mean, humans don't get 6,000 years to figure this out. And yeah. wow. <laughs> it seems crazy that just when they finally open up to one another or really Crawley really puts Mm -hmm. it all out on the line Mm -hmm. this big thing happens yeah did you happen to go back and watch that scene from the last episode which one remember I was saying we had very different interpretations of the scene you know I did okay I did I did go back and I tried to see it but i still felt he was just befuddled and surprised and so i didn't really see it and i thought he was the way he was defending aziraphale was just purely oh he wouldn't i he would never have a mistress or a mister or whatever (laughs) on the side so okay i'm not denying it but i i only saw total surprise Okay. Okay. Well, I'm going to hope it's your, I'm sure that's what they meant, right? They didn't in any way mean it to come across in a negative manner. Well, and with the end of this episode, he certainly seemed open to exploring those feelings once he had them straighten his head. Right. So, right. You know what it reminds me of that song, Let's Give Him Something to Talk About. where they get told something you know they get told is something going on and she's Mm -hmm. like well let's 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 do give them something to talk about (laughs) yeah all right well jumping ahead we should probably start at the beginning 
Yes. All right. Well, you know, this episode starts kind of where the other one left off with all the demons milling around outside and Aziraphale and Nina, Maggie and Jim, short for James, long for Gabriel, (laughs) getting ready for the waves of demons. (laughs) Yes, we've got the magic circle prep beginning once again. Yes. Yeah, at first I didn't remember that. It took me a few to go, oh, yeah, 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 that's that portal to heaven. Yeah, where the Metatron showed up season one. Yeah. The giant head. Yes, yes. Was that Jacoby in that too? Oh, he was, for sure. Okay. For some reason, I I didn't remember that. But I did, I like the little exchange when Nina's like, can you answer a simple question? And Aziraphale's like, if I hear one, of course. Yes. (laughs) Yes, that was a a cool little exchange. And now Aziraphale is just telling him straight up, yep, I saw you were in love with you and I just thought I'd get in there and get things done. (laughs) Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I, uh... Yeah, I, I, I'm pretty sure it's probably still a Xerophil spell at work, but, you know, Nina and Maggie are just so calm throughout all of it. Incredibly calm. I mean, Maggie really stands up for herself, flipping off the demons. I, I mean, loved that. There's, <laughs> there's a lot of bravery here. And <laughs> Nina totally backs up Maggie and mm-hmm. says she's the bravest person I know. And so mm-hmm. I hope it seems like after the spell is broken, it does seem like some of those feelings are still there. So I yeah. am hopeful. Yes. In the future, mm-hmm. I would imagine they'll get together. At least yes. I hope so. Jeez. Well, and I, I hope, hope so would show up in season three. I hope so too. <laughs> I don't even care if they're not playing the same characters, but I'd like to, I think it would be kind of a funny thing, right? To keep the same actors showing up like they did in this season. Yes, and I won't be nearly so suspicious next time if <laughs> actors are recycled in different roles because clearly that was all for naught. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but you're not the only one. I was watching one of my reactors on YouTube. I, she was doing her season one, her season one, her episode one reaction. And she's like, oh, it's the nuns. <laughs> wow. So she picked it up right away, too. Yes. So interesting. It was interesting. So shall we spend a little more time? Well, I guess I only have that. I thought it was terrible that Shaq's called Maggie unlovable. Oh, I know. How horrible. Well, she's a demon after all. She is. She really stays true. Unlike some of the other demons in this show, Shaq's really stays demonic. (laughs) Yeah, she does. Except perhaps her fist bump with Furfur. But other than that, she's pretty... (laughs) She's pretty demonic. Yeah. And she just will not retreat. Now, we do have, before the opening credits, we do have just a little moment where Muriel, Muriel and Crawley are in heaven, and mm-hmm. Crawley gets gets into the right get-up for being in heaven, turns into white clothes. <laughs> yeah. Did you notice he's got, like, a gold lame kind of scarf thing around his neck and some, like, headband in his hair? I did notice the headband, and I feel like his tattoo turns gold instead of black as well. Yes, I yeah. did notice that as well. Yeah. All right. Well, I don't have anything else before the introductory credits or the title sequence. I just have, I really liked, you know, when Maggie was scolding the demons and how they kind of, how Shaq's kind of goads her into inadvertently inviting them in. 
Yes. And we see uh, Demon Eric again. He was there. (laughs) And he gets destroyed and shows up again, yet again. I mean, Demon Eric does his job perfectly. I don't know what's going to happen with the rest of all those demons, but Demon (laughs) Eric is the right one to send on an expendable job because he'll be back. (laughs) (laughs) He definitely seems to be eternal, Demon Eric. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Discorporating or no. (laughs) Exactly, exactly. I did like the ominous bell tolling after Maggie inadvertently invites them in. Yes, I did too. That was a nice touch. Agreed. Okay, that was it. Those are the only things I had noted about that before the opening credits. Okay, now we've got the rest of the episode. (laughs) Wow, we are way into it here. (laughs) We really are. Long episode. (laughs) We really are. Well, it's the last one. It is, it is, it is. Well, at least we don't have to do any speculating because it's all over now. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And we were wrong about a lot of stuff and close on some other things. <laughs> exactly. I feel pretty good about our our record. <laughs> <laughs> okay. We're up in heaven again, right? Yes, and we check out Gabriel's file. Yeah. I did love that none of the passwords are changed, so <laughs> Crowley still has full access. Yeah, but that tells us that he was up there, throne or dominion or above. Yeah, mm-hmm. tough. We learn. Wonder which one yes. he was. It doesn't matter. Maybe we'll find out. But yes, but yeah, and then we very quickly go back. Well, I mean, we see Uriel and Michael, and I wrote down how she was pronouncing. Her name? Where did I write that down? Because we've like Seraquiel or something. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah. Well, I'll come to it. Oh, here it is. Seraquiel. Yes. Yeah. Seraquiel and Gabriel are their heads pop up in a very yep. Wizard of Oz kind of way. Yes, and we'll have the green. <laughs> we'll have more about them after our little bookshop mm-hmm. scene where the demons are getting vaporized in the circle. Yes. <laughs> and Gabriel slash Jim is laughing and crap clapping and <laughs> laughing and clapping, <laughs> not laughing and crapping. <laughs> he was getting a quite a childlike joy out of it. <laughs> laughing and clapping in delight, yes, as the demons get discorporated. Yes, yes, yes. Um, and I I did write down, boy, Maggie and Nina are still very calm about all of it. They really are, and thank God they're there because nobody else is doing anything. Yeah. <laughs> Well, yeah. I guess the circle is helpful. Very much so. It took uh, Shax a little bit to kind of order them to stop. Would yeah. all 70 of them have eventually just walked into it? I really feel like there's more than 70. Yeah. They might be m- maybe at uh, 190th of right. the Legion. <laughs> or maybe some of them have the same characteristic as Eric and sort of re- rematerialize after they get destroyed (laughs) could be could be so then back in heaven we see this celestial meeting where they're pretty much talking about armageddon again Mm -hmm. with a nuclear war and gabriel's like nah yeah i love it (laughs) armageddon the sequel that's a nah (laughs) Uh uh-huh and he's he's really a very different gabriel than any time we've seen him prior to yes. this time yes for that's for sure 
which apparently love will do to an angel. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Yeah. I can't even go there yet. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Wild stuff. But, but he's being very non-Gabriel and he's just going to have none of it. He's, he wants them to move on to new business. He doesn't care what they have to say. He's the head honcho. They're not going to do the Armageddon Mm -hmm. again. Yep. And then very quickly, a quick shot in the bookshop where they're all still battling. And then we're back to heaven with, not Gabriel, geez, Crowley and Muriel and Sarak, Sarak, Sarak wheel or whatever I just said. The rack wheel. Sarakwheel. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and Crowley claims to not remember Sarakwheel either. <laughs> He's we just forgotten together. everybody, all yeah. of the celestial people. We were and the hell on people. the horsehead nebula. <laughs> yes. I think he does remember him. He's just being an. I think so too. I think so too. <laughs> But yeah, but we find out Gabriel's been put on trial for putting the kibosh on Armageddon too. Yes, and we see the Metatron show up here for the trial. (laughs) Yep. And it is interesting. It seems like Gabriel suspected that the same thing would be done to him that had been done to Lucifer. And it seems like he wanted them to do it. He wanted to get sent to hell. But they threw him a curveball right? and said, no, you'll stay in heaven, but we're going to wipe your memory and you're going to be a little peon now. Yeah. And of course, we do have the very important line about if we have a second high up angel being sent to hell, it could be some kind of institutional problem, yes. which is what Jim said right. when he was pressed. Right. And so that was the institutional problem, sending another high up angel to hell. I was like, well, I'm glad they closed that loop. Me too. <laughs> oh, I did like when they were back, you know, when we jumped back and forth, it was so fast. These, these yes. back and forth. I did like when they were in the book and Shax is talking with Azarafel. She's like, or something about Crowley's emotional support angel. Yes. Yes. That <laughs> was still sweet. don't recognize Gabriel, even though he keeps telling people. Sometimes people call me Gabriel. <laughs> what I said was that was one heck of a miracle. I mean, yes, <laughs> they they really when the two of them work together, which, yeah, when the two of them work together, they can do pretty much anything. So, yeah, yeah. We'll see. <laughs> The encyclopedias, yeah. Oh, poor Zach. He would look so distressed as they were throwing his books down. Oh, well. He really did. He yeah. really did. Yeah. So we find out some of these pieces later, but I'm just going to throw them all together now okay. that Gabriel's got the fly in that matchbox. He is, he gets the fly into the box, writes on the bottom of the box. We'll talk about what he writes later. And drops the match book behind. And naked as a jaybird, (laughs) he goes into the elevator with the box and he doesn't remember. His memory is already in the fly. Yep. Yep. It's still why he took the big box instead of just taking the matchbox with him. I think... That is part of the ruse of him saying, I'm going to clean out my office Mm. and then leave. So I think the box is the ruse of the things that he cleaned out of his office. Okay. 
And of course, it is also very effective for covering his junk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, uh, well, let's hope that little matchbox wouldn't have covered anything. <laughs> I think I think we could safely assume no. If that were the case, I doubt John Hamm would be quite so readily <laughs> naked. Okie <sighs> doke. Yeah, I, I have written down that he's Jim now because he looks confused. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, you know, it's another confirmation that he uh, he is quite well made in form and feature. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> okay, going to leave that mental image behind and uh, we can move on. <laughs> okay, so, so Serac Will tries to wipe his memory, but his memory is nowhere to be found. And the Metatron is who demands that they find him mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i was so happy when everything came together in the bookshop because i was getting really tired of bouncing back and forth me too you know and i'm just gonna say right now i didn't do this but i do want to go back and watch beazelbub scenes we did feel like she was feeling unappreciated but mm-hmm. she now has a completely different motivation for finding mm-hmm. Gabriel. And yeah. so I'd kind of like to go back and rewatch her scenes with knowing that. Oh yeah. I hadn't thought about that, but yes. Yeah. Very nice. <laughs> so my next note is Azeraphael finally does something. He removes his halo and uses it as a holy hand grenade. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. I just went immediately to Monty Python Holy Grail. Exactly. The holy hand grenade. <laughs> exactly what I was trying to refer. <laughs> yeah. On the count of three, that's two, that's mm-hmm. one. On three, thou shalt. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Very nice. Holy hand grenade. It looked like it was quite painful for him to remove his halo. Ooh, it did not look pleasant. Yeah, yeah. And Demon Eric, dude. <laughs> I know you have infinite lives. (laughs) Yeah. I wonder why Shax was the only one that didn't like disappear. She just kind of passed out on a sofa. I wondered that too. I guess just because they need her. (laughs) I suppose. Coming up. Uh, But we now have a potential war between heaven and hell, which is what the angels wanted in the first place. Well, and what most of the demons did too. Yep. Everybody is ready for the war, except. (laughs) a couple <laughs> yeah i did like when we're in the elevator and i wondered if there was some scene that was cut because suddenly michael and uriel are in the elevator with mm-hmm. everybody else and crowley is back in back. yes back to his regular self and they all head into the bookstore yes so beazelbub revive shacks yep and Crawley calls for the cardboard box. Yeah. Did you happen to look at any of the stuff that was now in the cardboard box? I glanced at it, but I didn't note anything. Was there something I should have noted? <laughs> well, I'm glad I took a closer look because I think it's funny. But I mean, I could see from my easy chair looking at the screen, <laughs> yeah. gold, the gold diggers of 1589 and comedy of Robin Hood. But then I paused it and got closer and both the gold diggers of 1589 and comedy of Robin Hood 
were, at least according to that text there, written by William Shakespeare. And so, like, additional found plays of William Shakespeare that are not in existence. (laughs) So I just thought that was kind of a cute thing for Aziraphale to have just thrown into that box a couple of long-lost Shakespeare plays. Wow. Wow. (laughs) Yeah. I guess I should have stopped and looked at (laughs) I almost didn't, but it was worth it. Wow. I guess I just figured if it was in the cardboard box, it wasn't important. I didn't think so either. I mean, they've only had that box for like a week. Yeah. Well, and I'm glad we got some kind of references to the time frame that this all took place. Yes. Because I was thinking it was just boom, 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 almost like within 48, 72 hours. Well, then we have the grand reveal of what is written on the bottom of the box. I am in the fly. <laughs> Which we had posited this possibility the last episode. We had, and we had even connected with Beazelbub mm-hmm. and said, well, she's the one with all the flies, mm-hmm. but I thought the coloration was wrong. But mm-hmm. we did we did think of Beazelbub. And I even said, I mean, I was off, but I said maybe God wore Gabriel and she met Satan. And so it wasn't God and Satan, but it was the the top dogs of heaven and hell yeah. <laughs> eating together. Yeah. So, you know, yeah, we were right about some things. We were close about some things and mm-hmm. we were completely off about other things. <laughs> completely off about a lot of things. But I did, yeah. the, the whole message on the box thing kind of threw me out because I was like, come on, you want me to believe that nobody saw that written on the box? Right. I was just like, no, nope, you lost me there. But I did not like the fly going into Gabriel's eye. <laughs> Ew, nasty. I was and like, uh, you know, yeah. for, frankly, thank goodness Beazelbub was there, right? Because without, well, okay, no, be, she didn't necessarily need to be there. Well, Crowley knew to look for the message, and so they would have had that, but they might not have known what to do next. Mm-hmm. It was Beazelbub who was like, who called the fly, who knew the fly was there and called to it yeah. and then told Gabriel to open it. So I think it was pretty important Beazelbub was there. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I don't think, any, I mean, it would have been hard for anybody else to catch that fly. So no doubt. I mean, she's the fly whisperer, obviously. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, I know they called in the show Dagon was the Lord of the Files. Yes. But I think in demon lore, Dagon is the Lord of the Files. I remember that from last season. Yeah. All right. And I'm still not really on the bandwagon, I guess, with this whole thing between Beelzebub and Gabriel. Yeah. Okay. So I have, yeah, I have some issues myself. Yeah. So we go back to End of the World Day Part One. Mm-hmm. With the original <laughs> and <we> Beelzebub. S- <laughs> exactly. And this bothered me a little bit. Like they recast to get this really conventionally pretty Beelzebub, who mm-hmm. looked looks terrible when she's in hell, right? Because mm-hmm. of that terrible face prosthetic. Mm-hmm. But she was looking 
pretty toothsome. <laughs> There's a pretty toothsome Beazelbub on Earth. <laughs> yeah, she did look different on Earth, didn't she? She really did. She and no blood on her face and all that kind of thing. So it's a good thing. It's good for Gabriel that he didn't get sent to hell and saw her in the other condition. <laughs> but and it was so weird to see Shadwell and Tracy mm-hmm. right in the mm-hmm. background when the former shell of Beelzebub is talking to Gabriel. Yeah, but they're both they're both upset about you know oh what am I going to do with all my angels? What am I going to do with all my demons? And so they decide to have these talks, right? Mm-hmm. Now, your understanding is that the end of the world thing that happened probably occurred in like 2017. I mean, it was the present day of right. when the series came out, right? right? So why is the first cafe where they have talks essentially in the Soviet Union? Was it? Well, the sign on the window is in Cyrillic for oh. cafe. And behind it, you see the hammer and sickle outside. Oh, I, I did not even notice that. So I'm confused about that. Maybe they were just trying to sort of throw some Russia stuff in there. But I was like, this is this is post-Soviet Union. Mm-hmm. Well, so, I, I was just thinking they... Wanted to be far away from where they thought anybody else might see them. I mean, I, I didn't totally, realize it was Russia, but but yeah, I don't know. I totally agree. They want to be far away, but I would think it wouldn't be going back in time. Hmm. Yeah. So I didn't care for that. Hmm. I missed it. So I did not appreciate the Doctor Who reference in this scene when she gives them the fly right when they're at the resurrectionist okay and i realized i forgot to mention the second doctor who reference in episode five which was when he puts the fez on his head (gasps) oh i was wondering about if that meant anything and i didn't know that it meant anything but that's a doctor who illusion it is it's to the 11th doctor that was played by matt smith oh so but this one i don't know if you caught it but there's a tardis reference no. So when Beelzebub gives Gabriel the storage fly or the container fly, and she says yes. it's bigger on the inside. Oh, okay. I totally remember that, but I missed the reference. Thank you for that. But you didn't yes. like that reference? Well, I don't know. I guess one of the things I have, one of the problems I have with this season, and I think I mentioned it in episode five when we were talking about that, is the fan service. Right. And I don't know. It just seems kind of contrived to me. And it doesn't really, for me, add anything except to say, oh my gosh, it's a Doctor Who reference. But it's right. So I don't know. It just doesn't add much for me. Okay. Well, it went right over my head. So it did nothing to me. <laughs> I'm I, sure some I just people wanna... really liked it, but it just, I don't know. I didn't appreciate it. You, as a fan, were not abused. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, and I'm a huge Doctor Who fan. That's not it. Right. I love Doctor Who. But no, I, I, I hear you. Well, I, I want to step back just a moment because okay. there was another bar after the Russian bar, or sorry, okay. the Soviet bar. <laughs> after the Soviet bar and before the Resurrectionist, they were in some bar on Route 66. <laughs> 
And that's where Gabriel proposed no Armageddon, let's okay. do status quo. And that's where Gabriel learns, well, apparently learns about music mm-hmm. and learns that Beelzebub loves the song every day. <laughs> and so then they go to the resurrectionist. Uh, and that's and... where he puts the whammy on the jukebox. Exactly. And where I thought I saw perhaps that movie playing in the background behind okay. the bar. Okay. And oh, but let's let's not forget that before they go to the bar, Gabriel shows Beazelbub the statue of himself, and she doesn't <laughs> seem all that impressed. She does not seem all that impressed. She's like, should we hit the pub? <laughs> But we definitely see here that their romance is blooming Mm -hmm. and they are quite smitten with one another. And there's a real lingering of finger touching Mm -hmm. when the fly handoff takes Mm -hmm. place. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm not sure. I'm still not sure what I feel about all of it. Yeah, I certainly, I certainly hear you. But it does explain... I mean, people do weird things when they're in love. It does explain Gabriel's strange behavior about the second Armageddon. Yeah, yeah. Well, Gabriel doesn't remember Seracuel either, (laughs) even (laughs) even after he has his memory back, which is strange because she seems to be on that totally high council. So I that was a real slap in the face. Yeah, yeah. I watched an interview. It was the actress playing Seracuel, Muriel, and not Michael. Who was the other one? Was I it Beelzebub? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Did you see it? I think I saw a clip of that too. And she was talking about when uh, Neil Gaiman called her. Oh, no, I didn't see that. Oh, and she was asking him some questions about, you know, what her character was. And he told her, you know, when you're in heaven, you're going to be in a flying wheelchair. And then on earth where they don't have any ADA access, you'll be able to create something. And she's like, you had me at flying wheelchair. Awesome. That's so cool. (laughs) Yeah, I thought that was cute. Yeah. So, I mean, we get that whole backstory. So now we know what the heck's been going on because Gabriel's got his memory back. Yep. And he said he was trying to get to Beazelbub, but he forgot. And so he went to and you know he would have had to press the h and he pressed the earth and even though i didn't go back to the first episode but it seemed like gabriel was really walking for a while to get to the bookshop but if it was the same elevator he should have just come out of the dirty donkey and been right across the street yeah yeah that's a little bit of a discontinuity yeah I did laugh when Mike was like, mortals, someone turned him into pillars of salt. And so yeah, Rocky, I was great... like, on it. <laughs> Always like, no, 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 I got this. I'll take care of this. <laughs> oh my gosh. So then, right, he escorts Maggie and Nina back essentially to the coffee shop mm-hmm. and Sandwich, Metatron, the magic guy. They're all in line yeah. at the coffee at the coffee place already. Yep. And the first time I watched this, I didn't catch it. But the second time I got it, that Crawley somehow magically brought the rug guy back. Yes. Yep. 
and his newspaper had like holes in it. Yes. And so presumably so did he. But <laughs> the magic guy's like, oh yeah, keep him guessing, you know, but he has no memory. Yeah. And you know what I said? I said, I said, I said, Crawley brought Rug Guy back from being destroyed, but his paper is toast. T O S T E. Toast. That's cute. Um, I did notice, you know, Aziraphale looked very happy that Gabriel and Beelzebub were in love. He does. I've I've got written down here, angels and demons living together, like from Ghostbusters, yeah. cats and dogs living together. <laughs> yes. I wish I would have thought of that. <laughs> <laughs> they They get allowed to go. Gabriel yeah. and Beelzebub vanish to far places unknown places to unknown. be together, which, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know how much I would have to love someone to just spend the rest of eternity in the middle of nowhere just with that person. Yeah. <laughs> of course, I'm not a celestial being, so <laughs> I, I can't really understand such things. Yeah. I thought uh, it was funny, you know, that Shax is so horrified by everything that's going on and really mad at Beelzebub. And then the minute Beelzebub's like, well, you'll be able to be the new Grand Duke of Hell. And then suddenly it's hunky-dory. Okay. Mm-hmm. Y'all can just Fine. go away. <laughs> okay. Let's, let's go do this thing. Yes. Yes. And uh, I... <laughs> When they flush back to the coffee shop and Metatron's like, does anyone ever order death? Yes. <laughs> yes, that was funny. And she's like, what? Cute. It was fun. I love Derek Jacoby or Jake, Jaco- Jacoby. I've always said Jacoby. I don't know if that's, I don't think that's right. But Derek, Derek Jacoby. Kobe? I think that's how I say it, but Jacoby, I'm not Jacoby? sure. I don't yeah, know. One of those two. It. Sorry. Might be Jacoby. Yeah fantastic Shakespearean actor as well yes 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 he's up there he's like in that class with Ian and you know I felt like he looked old when I was in my 20s and I feel like he doesn't look any older now he still looks (laughs) old but it feel like he doesn't look any older now that he did that that's true him and Judy Dench both yes that's true a very similar type thing mm-hmm, mm-hmm. okay i gotta say i as beneficent as metatron kind of seems to be mm-hmm. i don't trust him in the least i think he's playing all of them oh. like puppets I do not like how he called Muriel the dim one. Yeah, I didn't like that. What? Well, why would you say that? Yeah. And then I feel like he is choosing Aziraphale because he can use him as his perfect little puppet. And also, the Metatron gave Crawley such a look. Yes. Before Aziraphale and and the Metatron left, that yeah. I think the Metatron knew exactly what he was doing. I think he knew that even though Aziraphale would think Crowley would jump at the opportunity to be reinstated at heaven, 
I just think the Metatron just absolutely knew that Crowley was going to say no and that this was going to break them apart. I think you're probably right on that. And you even kind of get that feeling a little bit later when he said, I'm not surprised that Uh you've always been asking questions and things like that. And not just asking questions, but some sort of pejorative terms like pesky or, you know, I mean, just just really that same line of anybody who questions is not accepted in heaven. And so I, yeah, this whole, oh, this is the higher being that brings all of these other piffle into order. No, Mm -hmm. he's the worst of the lot. That's my two cents. I think you were right on there and it'll be interesting. I mean, I hope the season three gets green lighted after the strikes are over, but yeah, it will be interesting to see how that plays out. Yeah. That scene between Crowley and Aziraphale is just heartbreaking. I hated every minute of it. Heartbreaking. And I just have to say that we are. Okay. Let me step back for a, for a second. Okay. Again. Many things we were right about, many things we were wrong about, but the whole sort of parallel between Aziraphale, Crowley, Maggie, Nina was definitely a thing. Yes, yes. And I did love how Maggie and Nina were like, we've got to talk to them. They're just not, they're so dense. Mm -hmm, (laughs) mm -hmm. We've got to straighten them out. And they absolutely get through to Crawley. And so then it is, it is just absolutely devastating. And again, the Metatron's total doing in playing Aziraphale like a fiddle. Yep. Yep. And Crowley knows Making him an offer he can't refuse. Yeah. And Crowley knows it. Yeah. He even says, you know, I I understand it more than you, but oh gosh. Which is just, yeah. Which he absolutely does, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, Crowley, no, he calls heaven and hell toxic. Yeah. Yeah. And I think he's right. Yeah. He's absolutely right. They are strongest when they're away from it, but Aziraphale still toes the line yeah. and he thinks he can do something from the inside, mm-hmm. but he can't do anything without Crowley. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it was heartbreaking. And I loved the kiss. I loved that Crowley just went for it. Mm-hmm. But it just, it wasn't enough. Michael Sheen does a great job. You know, when he he's uh, trying not to cry and then he, you know, he says, I forgive you. And you can just see all the pain on his face. Even, you know, he wants to say yes so badly. Yeah. And, you know, Crowley's like, don't bother what think exactly was he forgiving crawley for saying no well i don't know it could be multiple it could be for everything right (laughs) for saying no for taking so long to get to that point i don't know it could be a lot of things I mean, that's just as much as Zeraphale's fault. It's not like Aziraphale was overtly expressing his feel- feelings either. Well, that's true. That's true. Oh, yeah, it was just... I didn't like it. I did not like it. I didn't either. And Crawley even waits. He waits by his... He doesn't just drive off in right. a huff. Right. He waits to yep. see if a Zeraphel changes yep. mind. But yeah, it's a Zeraphel it... who leaves. A Zeraphel yep. gets in the elevator. 
yeah, you know, and of course, there's just that moment, right, before he steps into the elevator, you're like, go to Crowley, go to Crowley, dude, Crowley, and he steps in the elevator, your hopes are crushed, and I'm like, no. Get away, get away from the creepy, big-headed guy who is playing (laughs) everybody, and who has plans for the second coming. Ugh. And of course, where is the elevator located? Once again, conveniently at the Dirty Donkey. (laughs) Man, I was not happy at the end of this episode. And to see the split screen of them at the end, I'm like, yeah, just drive that stake in my heart again. (laughs) With that, I mean, that music was so haunting. Yeah, yep. And neither of them are happy. No. I mean, neither of them are not happy. happy. No. uh, Yeah, it's terrible. Hated it. Hated it. And what's Muriel going to do at the bookshop? She's probably going to burn it down. What does she know about bookshops? (laughs) Yeah. Well, I mean, it's a good thing. I mean, Azerfeld didn't sell books. He just collected them (laughs) and spent his time (laughs) reading. So if that's all she has to do is sit around reading, that's okay. (laughs) Oh. I suppose so. I do like Muriel, so I hope she's in season three. Yeah. But uh, I just, I was heartbroken mm-hmm. at the end, mm-hmm. at the end of this episode. And yeah. I'm just, oh, I just cannot trust the Metatron farther than I can throw him. Nope. I think you're right. I think he, yeah, I think he tipped his hand enough for us to see his true devious nature. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm, uh... Well, I got a lot of mixed feelings about this season. I think maybe, and I should know this, I had my expectations set super high. Right. And I should know that I'm just setting myself up <laughs> when I have those kind of high expectations. I mean, th- there are parts I loved. I mean, I have no problems with the acting. It was superb. I just have some problems with some of the production choices and... Um, you know, the B plot, I didn't really care for all that much. Mm-hmm. I thought it was kind of weak. And, you know, when Gabriel and Beelzebub got together, I actually like rolled my eyes and I'm like, are they seriously going here? Come on. Mm-hmm. I don't think the minisodes advanced either of the plots, like the main plot between Aziraphale and Crowley. I don't think it did a good job of advancing their relationship right and and it did nothing for the gabriel beelzebub relationship you know in hindsight i'm like why did we need that filler Mm -hmm. so i enjoyed watching it yes part those were things that i thought were kind of weak in comparison to season one right i never like in season one you're like you're so into Aziraphale and Crowley and you're worried about them because they're in danger all the time and that element was kind of missing in this one as well and uh, I don't know there was one I was reading some reviews and this one is this woman I think kind of captured what I was thinking and her name is Janine T. Abraham Um, she was writing for Medium online Mm-hmm. But Omens 2 had an adequate story and held my attention, which, yes, but it doesn't capture the danger and urgency I felt in Good Omens. 
Absolutely. Yeah. And I think that really captured it well. And I mean, I think overall, there was really good feedback that I was seeing. But I think some of these kind of professional reviewers captured a little bit more what I was thinking about it. It is nicely said. Vicki Jessup was writing for the London Evening Standard. And of course, I've been saying this, I felt a little validated. She wrote, the whole thing ends up feeling more like fan fiction than a new addition (laughs) to a hugely successful existing series. Right. So. Yeah, you know, and even the really laying it out with Mm -hmm. Aziraphale and Crowley, Mm -hmm. Crowley could be considered fan fiction, right? I think we all wanted to see the two of them in a relationship and together in season one. And so even the kiss, you could say, could be a little bit of fan service. Sure, sure. But I'm so glad they did it. (laughs) (laughs) I'm glad. I'm glad we got the kiss. I'm glad we got them stating their feelings more, more explicitly. Even if it is fan service, I... I ate that up. <laughs> <laughs> I think maybe, you know, they needed to kiss when they were soaking wet under an awning. And maybe well, we that had a different outcome. Maybe that would have done the trick. <laughs> yeah. There's our note. <laughs> All right. But I also, I have to say, I did, uh, there was one woman on Collider, Collider, Collider. Her name is Therese Laxon. Tenant and Sheen's chemistry shine through even when other aspects of the season are more lackluster. And that I totally agree with. 100%. And I got to say, Ham and Richardson yep. also. Oh, gosh, yeah, yeah. Fantastic. I, yes. I liked Ham's performance so much more in this mm-hmm. one. There were so many little moments, so many reactions and things mm-hmm. he did, even mm-hmm. when the camera wasn't on him. I, he was He was nothing to me season one I was like okay fine that's Gabriel real jackass but he was a little bit enchanting in this one Mm -hmm. and he he took that role of empty shell of a person and (laughs) just did such a great job with it I loved Jim I loved Jim in this (laughs) this season Jim short for James long for Gabriel Agreed. Yes. And I I will absolutely look forward to season three, even though I imagine it will be more at the level of season two than season one. Well, something I was reading, somebody mentioned they were kind of viewing this. uh, Well, and I guess even Neil Gaiman said he needed longer time to develop uh, kind of like the second coming piece, which is why it wasn't in season two. Okay. So it almost does seem like it's a little bit of filler, right? To get us to give us something until we can get to a continuation of the story of the of of apocalyptic nature like almost table setting yeah yeah i gotcha so so hopefully season 3 will be more like season 1 well we will see time will tell if it's somewhere between the two i will probably still be very satisfied <laughs> Yes, yes, yes. But uh, I mean, I'm just keeping my fingers crossed that soon we'll get an announcement that everything's back in production and Gaiman is working on it. He says he's not writing because of the strike. And Mm -hmm. uh, I totally can support that. But I want it to be over so they can get to work on it. 
Me too. Get, right. get that deal. Get that deal struck. Yes. Come on, studios. <laughs> exactly. Okay. Well, that's the end of season two. Thanks for talking with me about this. I yeah. mean, this has been a real treat. I, regardless of my feelings comparing the second season to the first, it was a blast to work through this season. Yes, I concur. It was fun talking about it and diving, you know, a little deeper into some of the biblical lore. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, perhaps sometimes a little too deeply, but I enjoyed every minute of it. <laughs> yes, yes. So I guess now all there is to uh, say bye. Thanks for listening, everybody. Wallowing in the Shallows is created and produced by the both of us. Edited by Mo. The soundtrack for the Wallowing in the Shallows Good Omen Season 2 chat is Dmitry Shostakovich, Jazz Suite Number 2, Waltz Number 2, from the Internet Archive at archive.org. You can send us feedback at witstvpod at gmail.com. That's W-I-T-S-T-V-P-O-D at gmail.com. Subscribe. And then subscribe. Subscribe. Hit that subscribe button. Like and subscribe.